20,000 recipes. That's how many we have developed and published in our career so far, and there have to be some bad ones. Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and on this episode of our podcast, we want to talk about three recipes that we regret. Yeah, these are really embarrassing. I don't, I, sometimes I wonder how they made it into the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that because one of them was heavily edited and somehow it's present and it's the biggest gaffe of the whole bit. The first two are actually in our books and they're not gaffes. We're just kind of embarrassed by them. So, okay, you set up what happened with the peanut butter book. Oh, yeah, about 18 years ago, we wrote a book called The Ultimate Peanut Butter Book and it was we were trying to come up with hundreds of things to do with peanut butter. And we, I should say, if you don't know, we wrote this series for Harper, the publisher Harper, and they were all the ultimate series. 13 books. We wrote the ultimate ice cream book, candy right, book, right, and right. one of them was the ultimate peanut butter book. And it yep. was an alphabetical listing of like 300 things to do with peanut butter. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know or if you're new to listening, in the team, Bruce and Mark, Bruce is the chef, and Mark is the writer. That's me. I'm the writer. And what Bruce is trying to tell you, and I'm going to say it since he's not saying it, is that since I'm the writer, I have not been to chef school. I write the cookbooks for us. Um, and, you know, I'm involved in the recipe testing of it. And I think way outside the box. I don't, because I'm not beholden to any rules about chef school and, oh, this is what this means. I don't know what it means. So I, th when I concept stuff, I just want to go way far out. And I try try and honor Mark's requests and I try and honor what Mark wants to see in the recipes. So when he came to me and said, let's do this great appetizer. Let's call it an Elvis spread. And already I started to tremble. <laughs> well, you didn't tremble too much because it's in the book. So if you remember, Elvis likes these kind of peanut butter sandwiches. So I thought, let's put bacon, peanut butter, butter, honey, and what else? Bananas. And a banana, right. Banana, bacon, peanut butter, honey, and then butter in a food processor and whir it up. Now, we're not talking about raw bacon. Well, that's what I originally thought. I'm like, wait, <laughs> then, I, then I figured, how am I going to cook it? Then what Come am I going to steam it or bake it like a hot dip? I didn't know what he was It's like having bacos in peanut butter dip. And so I thought that this was a very... Except smooth, really <laughs> smooth. I thought this was a good idea. And you know what? I still want to say to this day, I stand by this recipe because the taste is really good because it's salty, porky, bacony, honey goodness that you can spread on bread. And it tastes really good but i will admit that naming it the elvis spread and naming it uh, putting bacon in a food processor is probably not the most savory thing one could ever do and no it's not i want to say again to justify myself it's not raw bacon <laughs> i was trying to come up with a sandwich that or spread a spread that honored the, the king and uh, you know what can this but be? here's and, the trick of making mm. this recipe you have to really cook the hell out of the bacon. You do. You need to have the crispiest, crispiest bacon. You want to render all the fat out of the stripes of fat in the bacon. Because if you put the bacon in where the fat is limp and barely cooked, then it's not well. Let's just say you really need to cook the bacon because if it's <laughs> really, too. if it's really, really crispy, and then you get it pureed Come on, nicely. Everybody it's, likes emulsified raw bacon. Ooh. Come on, it's so delicious. You could do it, and actually, if you're going to do this, get yourself some. 
you know, black pepper cracked bacon or and actually look for the leanest bacon you could find when you're looking oh, at bacon. You're making it. You're now trying to justify the recipe. No, I'm just saying if you're going to make it, here's how to really you make it good. You know what? Good. I just think it was hysterical that I wrote a recipe for Elvis bread and and that I came up with this and that Bruce has never let me live it down. You've never let me live and this recipe. It's one of down. our first books. Yeah, and I I kind of still think it's a little bit genius, but you know what? See, the writer, I didn't go to chef school. You know, putting bacon in a food processor, it's it's meaningless to me. It sounds good. <laughs> so, okay, let me come up with a second one. And this is, again, me. I did this one. And this, there's really nothing wrong with this recipe. It's just a little weird. So, okay, so this is our first big ultimate book for Harper. It's the ultimate ice cream book. Can I talk about that? Yeah, so this book, I did all the recipe testing and I created all the recipes and again, it was a library, an alphabetical library of hundreds of ice cream recipes, alphabetical by name, so vanilla's coming near the end, ginger ice cream's coming near the middle and what Mark did after we tasted them and tested everything is he came up with all the variations because what made the ultimate book so great was that you had a recipe like vanilla ice cream, and then there were a dozen variations after it, how to change it, how to add things to it. So that's now, Mark did all of that work. And I'm going to say that this is an older book because I'm actually looking at this recipe on the page in the Ultimate Ice Cream book. And next to what we're about to talk about is the recipe for ginger ice cream. And I just want to read you the head note for ginger ice cream because it cracks me up. This recipe calls for fresh as well as crystallized ginger, which can both be found in many supermarkets and by mail from Whole Foods. <laughs> and then it gives an 800 number for Whole Foods. Back when Whole Foods was only in Austin, oh Texas. My God. And you might not be able to find crystallized ginger wherever you live. Okay, so this is like 99, and the internet's not much. It's like Doritos ads or Doritos website. But, you know, there, it's not, and there's AOL. We wrote this book back before the crust of the earth hardened. We did, and we put a phone number for Whole Foods in the book. Okay, so anyway, what we're on here, so if we're not on that, I, that that's so insane. So we're so it, I on wrote, fig ice cream. Yeah, I did this recipe for fig ice cream. Now, if you know anything about figs, you know that they contain an ends fresh figs, just like pineapple and papayas, contain an enzyme that digests protein, which is why this stuff is used as meat tenderizers, and right. it will also coagulate milk. It'll break down milk protein. It actually snaps the negative electron bonds, but okay. So if you put fresh figs into a milk cream mixture, it's going to curdle. So we had to make this recipe with dried figs, and it gives a really intense flavor. It's actually one of the best recipes in the book, this dried fig ice cream. Okay, so one of the variations, now I'm gonna justify myself, is I came up with this variation is figs. So, so for some reason in my head, I don't know, maybe because Bruce and I were newly together, I associated figs with Jews. And <laughs> so, only only oh, Jews ate them. God well, help Jews me. and Arabs. And so I made this variation up that I had dried dates. So you you know you make the fig ice cream, and then at the last bit you stir in dried dates and dried raisins, and then here's the kicker. Some crumbled Mandelbrot. Now, um, now you have to explain what no, that is. No, actually, you have to explain what Mandelbrot is. Well, I think you actually insisted we call it Mandelbrot. I grew up calling it Mandelbread. Okay. Which right. is basically All Jewish right. biscotti. It's good that the Christian is insisting <laughs> on Mandelbrot, but go ahead. It's Jewish biscotti. It's just little hard cookies that are really not terribly sweet and don't have much flavor. <laughs> and... All they're good for is dipping in tea where they'll dissolve and then you'll have thick porridge in your teacup. That's very so. good. So um, so there's fig ice cream. And, you know, really, honestly, this doesn't sound so bad. So there's dried dates in it and there's raisins in it. 
just crumbled up Mandelbrot. And for some reason, God help me in my own insane racialist attitudes, I named this flavor Promised Land Ice Cream. <laughs> and that's the part that's so freaking embarrassing to this day. Promised, promised. Land Ice Cream. I think I Is was... this what they eat in the Promised Land? <laughs> I think that I was just so fascinated with being in love with one of God's chosen that I named a flavor of ice cream, promised land ice cream, and I still look back on that and I shudder at the mere thought of it. Well, you could just keep a memory that your mother-in-law was born there. Yes, my mother-in-law was born in, in Haifa. The, in the promised land. She was. If I really want to bug her, she was born before it became Israel, so... She was born under the protectorate of Palestine, so I call her a Palestinian. Well, she I, does have a Palestinian birth certificate. See, I really, really want to bug her and call her a Palestinian. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, I don't know. You know, listen, I actually think that fig ice cream with dates and raisins and crumbled up Mandelbrot in it at the end sounds pretty good. If you want to try that, just buy some biscotti and crumble them in. It doesn't have to be tasteless, crappy stale Jewish Mandelbrot. And I don't want, don't give me hate mail for saying that. I grew up with it. My grandmother made it. She was the worst baker in the world. So, ew. I no, I don't like Mandelbrot. I feel like Krusty the Clown. I don't mind the taste. <laughs> um, I don't mind it. It's, But it's just so embarrassing to have named this flavor of ice cream, promise not ice cream. Okay, so okay, those so are my two gaffes, my giant gaffes, because I named an ice cream something terribly racialist, and I... <laughs> Oh, jeez. And I also came up with Elvis spread and put bacon in a food processor. Okay, go ahead. Hey, before I get to the third embarrassing recipe, do you have an embarrassing recipe that you've come up with or one that you've made that's just like, oh, you hang your head in shame? Come to our group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, on Facebook and share it. We want to share in your shame. We'll share our shame, and we'll do it all together. Now, well, what's yours? Speaking of the promised land, mm-hmm. uh, Mark and I used to be contributing editors to Eating Well magazine, and we had a monthly column. That, oh, we wrote that column forever. And one of the last articles we wrote for the magazine— But this wasn't the column. No, this wasn't this, our column. This is a feature. This was a featured article, and it was the holiday time, and we decided that we would pitch a Hanukkah. Piece. You know, mm-hmm. Everyone does Christmas pieces, and so few food magazines at the time were doing Hanukkah pieces. Right, big, big, glossy, fully photographed flash. Yeah, we lived Hanukkah in, we pieces. still lived in Manhattan, and they actually photographed this in our apartment, and we set up the big table in the living room and had everybody around the table for the photographs, and we made this big Hanukkah meal, and all the recipes were in the article. Right. So it was a lovely menu. There were little mini veal meatloaves, which were just beautiful. No hate mail about veal, please. The eating well allowed veal, so just let it go. <laughs> veal and there was some roasted vegetables. And then it is Hanukkah, so there had to be latkes. But, of course, it's eating well, so they can't be fried in 8,000 quarts of oil. So I came up with this baked latke recipe. And okay. It's delicious. It's a delicious latke. So, this, so this, you shred. Well, how did this bake? latke go. Well, you bake them in muffin tins so that they're not flat pancakes, right? That's so, And they're really nice. You take shredded potatoes and you squeeze the extra moisture out like always and you put a little matzo meal and egg and grated onion. Mm. And these were going to be sort of pesto-ish. So I'm putting in basil and pine nuts. 
and Parmesan cheese. There you go. <laughs> and um, for the Christians in our audience, what's the problem going on right now? Well, you got your milk and your meat. You're not supposed to eat them together if you keep kosher. Now, we don't keep, Mark and I don't keep kosher. Only my grandmother or my family has ever kept kosher. But if you do the keep Mandelbrot kosher. Maker. Yes, the Yes, the bad Mandelbrot maker. Okay, go on. If you do keep kosher, it means you cannot eat milk and meat at the same time or in the same meal. So we were having little meatloaves with a cheesy oh. latke. Now, and that's not a problem for us, but if we're trying to honor, if we're going to honor the well, whole thing about Hanukkah, okay, wait, then wait. we need to honor that. So this went right past my Christian head, and it never occurred to me that it was a thing. I think I, I knew, and no, I don't think, I did know about meat and dairy, but it's still, it just, you know, I mean, it's not the most present thing in my brain. And so... <laughs> The way other things are. So um, I went past my head, and the thing that cracks me up is it went past Bruce's head, having been raised in Jewish homes with Jewish grandparents who were kosher, and then it passed editorial. Yeah, Jim Romanoff. <laughs> okay. Okay, we, let's not name names. But um, it passed editorial, including some Jewish editors. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it passed all the way up and got published in the magazine. And then came the hate mail. Yeah, and that's the last thing we ever wrote for Eating Well, too. So that ended that career. So that's really nice. Um, but that did so, end that but career. Let but, me tell uh, you that they were absolutely fantastically what? delicious okay. pesto latkes. So you can still find them online if you if you Google Eating Well pesto and not, latkes. And you're not kosher. Well, no, you, you don't have to make them with meatloaves. Just make them with a piece of salmon. Shrimp. Salmon in case you... How about shrimp? You can't eat shrimp. You don't eat shellfish if you're kosher. But... In case you don't know the rules, you can eat fish with dairy. So you can do that because fish is what they call par. Okay, then I'm going to eat swordfish. Uh, see, okay, it's getting you complicated. Eat, you can only eat fish <laughs> okay, that have it. scales and it. fins. Okay, and those swordfish. Skip on. We're not a kosher podcast. Not yet. No. <laughs> Not ever. Um, so, okay, uh, more hate mail. You just you just asked for more hate mail. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just not giving up my bacon cheese sandwiches. So, um, listen. Here's the deal. We should have known better. We were being we idiots. Should have known and better. We somehow put cheese in lot because we served him in a Hanukkah feature with a meatloaf. It passed a million editorial standards. It was tested and retested in their kitchens, and yet it came out. And thus endeth Bruce and Mark at eating well forever. <laughs> All right. So there's three of our most uh, embarrassing food gaffes that we have ever made. Okay, so listen, subscribe to this podcast, like it, go on that Apple menu, drop right down to the bottom. There's a way to write a review, write a review, thank you, thank you. And we want to thank you for subscribing to this podcast and being a part of it. And seriously, not the person sitting next to you, but you. We want to thank <laughs> you for subscribing to this podcast and listening to it. Thank you very much. It's great fun that you're along with us on this journey. 